Welcome to the seventh episode of Yachting Number, the Amazing Race 31 podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Armstrong, and joining me as always is the Canadian who is excluded from conversations based on his Instagram following, Logan Saunders. Good evening. And the lady who has a bit of a history with bovines, Michelle Pierce-Denovan. Um, yeah, hello. It's an honour to have a Colin and Christie-inspired intro, Michelle. You should take the praise. Okay, okay. Yes, I did see a cow, I suppose, in April. (laughs) Discuss. Um, At the annual Royal Easter show in Sydney. Okay. You just saw a random cow. Yeah, there was actually about six of them. (laughs) That's the whole story. That, That is the whole story. Yes, I didn't touch the cow. You did not have relations with that cow. Oh, God. Cows used to hang out behind my house for 15 years while growing up. Really? Yeah, because they would go through all the fields on the hillside behind my house, and for about a month, every six months, they would all be hanging out on just the road right behind my house, so they were right up to the fence. can smell them. Smell them from the house. And also, Logan used to make them flower crowns. Yes, I used Uh to make them flower crowns, and I led them to school each day. Yeah. (laughs) I couldn't find anything for show and tell, guys. Look who I brought in. Oh, squeeze through the door, Betsy. And after my slightly pissy attitude over the past two weeks towards Amazing Race, this episode wasn't terrible. It was better than I expected. Because it, God. because it wasn't entirely about the double U-turn. It was still not a good episode, but it was we a, a oh better episode. <laughs> we had a self-drive leg. We had dis- we have actual discussion that we can have over the first ever uh, um, must-vote U-turn and the American version of Amazing Race. Face-to-face U-turn nominations is what it's down as in my uh, notes this time. And then, of course, the fact that Leo and Jamal have ran 30 legs now and are somehow still struggling a whole ton during the past several episodes, especially for a team that won the first two legs of the season. Fun fact, you know how Sherry and Cole have the worst average of any team to make the final three? Right. I did a little bit of quick checking, and their record between legs three and eight is only one place worse than Leo and Jamal's is in this season between legs three and eight. Really? Yes. Wow. It's six and a third they average in uh, legs three to eight. Leo and Jamal average 6.17. So only one placement point better. Mm. So that just shows how badly they're doing. And Sherry and Cole in that period of time were saved by two non-eliminations. And Leo and Jamal could have been right. saved by three non-eliminations if they wanted to. They could have gone for the record. And that's an even more bizarre record when you beat ten teams and then nine teams, and then you can barely beat anybody for the next six episodes. I mean, they are only, what, two placement points above Chris and Brett now? Yeah, and I guess the only team they're beating are the all-female non uh Non-amazing race teams, uh, or I guess there was no all-female amazing race team. Only the all-female teams they've been able to beat for the past six episodes. 
So before we actually properly get into the episode, where in the world is Logan Saunders? Let's see. It depends on where you're listening from, but in terms of the Canadian government's eyes, I'm in the country of Kosovo. Does England recognize Kosovo? Yes. Good. <laughs> England actually has quite a large Kosovan community, I seem to remember. There's a couple of um, like singers and actresses and things from Kosovo. That's cool. What have you been up to this week? Um, not a whole lot. There's, a, I mean, I'm in the capital, uh, Pristina, and I have the largest apartment I've ever had in any of my travels. It is only 20 euros, and it is. I have a whole living room. I have a dining room. I have a kitchen, two bedrooms, and wow. two bathrooms. Logan sent me the video a couple of days ago. It's ridiculous. Yes, for 20 <laughs> euros. I should post it online soon. Yeah, I sent it to a couple of other people as well. Crazy. Considering in Australia, I spent just over 20 euros just for having a small private room and a shared bathroom. (laughs) Yep. And talking of things that I've been sent this week, I do have to mention that our good friend Mr. Williams has made his stand-up debut. And he sent me the audio, and it was actually really good. Oh, and? and? I didn't know he did that. Yes, he's, as part of his midlife crisis, he's uh, started doing stand-up comedy. And it's actually quite good. Wow. A few obvious jokes in his ten-minute set, but I was listening to it yesterday, and it was actually really good, and I'm really proud. Aww. And there is a very real chance that he could come to the comedy club quite near my workplace, uh fairly soon, so I will be going if he does, to support him. So, previously seven teams raced from Uganda to Switzerland, Nicole and Vitz were targeted in a U-turn plan, but Rachel's help backfired, Tyler and Corey won in a leg when nothing else happened, and it got fractious at the pit stop, where Nicole and Vitz were saved by the final non-elimination leg of the season. And Phil likes to make a big thing of it being the final non-elimination leg. Just in case anyone got any ideas that the final four one's going to become a keep-on-racing leg, it's not. There is a definite elimination in the final four leg. Like how this is. I like how it's just. Oh yeah, right. Remember, guys, this is the third time I'm telling you this episode, but there's no more non-eliminations. Just in case you forgot, the last team to arrive will be eliminated. Yeah, the other teams who arrive before then will advance to the next episode. But if you're the last team, you you will. Yeah, you're going to be eliminated. Just is everyone is everyone clear on that? Does everyone understand? Okay. And part of the reason that I didn't hate this leg as much, and I'm not going to say I like this leg because it was, eh, it was all right. But part of the reason I didn't hate this leg as much is because we got departure times. Yay for what it's worth. So Tyler and Corey leave at 4:56 a.m. Colin and Christy at 5:03. Becker and Floyd at 5:04. Leo and Jamal at 5:09. Rachel and Alitha at 5:49. Chris and Brett at 5:50. And Nicole and Vitz at 6:05. And teams must now drive to Ballenberg and head to the Spielhalle, where they must wait for more information. And it is an hours of operation, and they can all run in together at 7 a.m. In other words, they just opened it right when they knew all the teams were going to show up. Yeah, it's almost like the pit stop lengths are now tailored to the departure times that they actually need them to have. Huh, it's like they planned it. And Colin and Christy depart, saying that they like to help people, and hopefully people will remember that when on a U-turn mat. 
and Rachel says that she has the leg appearance record and does an acceptance speech thanking Phil and everyone who supported her. And do you think the editors deliberately included that given the sheer amount of backlash to Rachel and Alitha this season? Possibly. I think they did as a deliberate wink-wink-nudge-nudge joke. And while they're waiting for the hall to open, Corey meets a cat and Leo is also happy about it. And then Rachel and Alitha pull Leo and Jamal aside to try and clear the air over the U-turn drama last week. Chris is excluded because of his lack of Instagram followers. I like how <laughs> to I like how to resolve U-turn drama. They ensure there's more drama by getting super gossipy with Leo and Jamal. It's like we're sorry about all the drama between Nicole and Victor. They said this, and we didn't mean that. We're going to do this, and now can we be friends? Can we be allies? It's like wow, Rachel, Alyssa, just 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 let them be. If you just say nothing about anybody else, you'll be able to blend in the background. Or people people will look for any reason to not U-turn somebody. The best thing about this is the fact that it has zero effect because Leo and Jamal still don't trust them. Yeah, I know, it's ridiculous. It's like they want to dig their own grave every time they see somebody. I'm going to miss Rachel and Alitha from this season, mainly because Michelle gets inexplicably angry about their existence. You know what other record Rachel has well, now? Really the record that Rachel now has is, I believe she's the only racer ever who has had a U-turn used against her in three different seasons. Yeah, she is actually, isn't she? Yeah, Leo and Jamal don't even have that record. <laughs> Unless there's another U-turn between now and the end, and I, I have a feeling there's not going to be any more U-turns. They might squeeze one in, maybe in about like ten. I don't know anything about U-turns, by the way, I just knew that this was coming. Uh, so, when the hall opens, Phil meets them there to announce that this season's Leg 8 twist is face-to-face U-turn nominations. And they've drawn four order as to who gets to nominate in what order. The two teams with the most votes will be U-turned for this leg. And it was confirmed by Tyler Oakley. He sent an email to me, and he said that if there's a tie for who gets the second U-turn, that there would have been a revote. Now, a few things to discuss on the whole preamble from this, because, number one, I did go back after my rant last week and check whether I was right that Phil said that Switzerland has the oldest democracy. He changed it in both the adverts for this week's episode and the actual episode to Switzerland believes it has the oldest democracy in the world, which, spoilers, it doesn't, after last week. So Switzerland's just wrong and uneducated. Yeah, but the preview for this week, at the end of last week's episode, did indeed say that Switzerland has the oldest democracy in the world, which is horseshit. Or bullshit, actually, after this week. Number two, what is it with Amazing Race wanting to do some sort of twist around leg seven or eight to just shake things up now? I had that in my notes too, like, is this just going to be the new tradition? Yeah, last season we had the partner swap, this season we have the face-to-face U-turn nominations. What's it going to be in 32? I guess they just want to experiment with these one-off twists, and if the audience likes any of them, then it can be a permanent fixture, and if they don't, it can just be something that people slightly remember the, the season for. Although I think a lot of people have probably forgotten the partner swap because of how little effect it had on the season. And my final question before we actually get into this, how would you have played the face-to-face U-Stone nominations? 
would you have gone for a team like Colin and Christie, or would you have maybe done it a bit more strategically? Where am I in the voting? Because that, that's the thing that irked me about this twist, is that you had to randomly draw for the order, and there's a huge disadvantage with going first as opposed to last. Yeah. If you go last, mm. nobody can bounce back and vote you. You can just vote for whoever the hell you want if you're the last one to vote. I mean, I will just randomly pick a team for you to replace here. Tyler and Corey. Didn't Tyler and Corey just well, throw away their votes to... on the Colin Victor? Yeah, they did indeed. How would you have played it if you were sixth of seven in the running order? Let's see. Well, then, then at that point, you would just go for, assuming the strongest team isn't team number seven in the voting, you would just vote against the strongest team? No, if I was at the end of the voting, I would vote for whoever voted for me. So it's like tit for tat. Then you can't say you're targeting anyone because you're just targeting the people who did you. And that's what Colin and Christy did. Um, they said, well, we're just going to get Rachel and Alyssa because they did us. I think Chris and Brett's idea of saying, look, this is the team we weren't very close to, I think that's a good enough, a good reason, but also... Also saying the most competitive team, Colin and Christie, is also another good reason. Um, I wouldn't go randomly for another team without a reason, but it'd obviously be better to be near the bottom than you could just do the team who did you. Here's what I would have done. I would have said, sorry, Nicole and Victor, but I need a buffer. It's a guaranteed elimination like. Because the point of doing a U-turn, if you're going to do a U-turn, is to try and guarantee that a team goes home and you don't have to face the wrath. You go for Nicole and Victor, no matter what happens, they're probably going. Not Rachel and Alyssa? No, you keep Rachel and Alyssa in because they have a terrible average. Nicole and Victor already have a speed bump coming. If you give them both sides of the detour, they're probably gone. Yeah, okay. And you keep Rachel and Alyssa in as a buffer. And then you're pretty much guaranteed top five. And I think Nicole and Victor probably would have gone home if they had to do both sides of the detour at this leg. 100%. It's going to be very interesting next week, assuming we get any departure times, to see how close everyone was. Because I would put money on Colin and Christy probably having won this leg if they weren't U-turned. Given how bloody good they were at both sides of the detour and how good Colin was at the roadblock. And they wouldn't have done the the cow thing. They would have chosen They would have chosen the physical labor task if they only had to do one side of the detour, which was the one they were much faster at. Yeah. And Victor misunderstands the rules and thinks that they're going to vote twice regardless, because he's a ditz. I don't know, Rachel and Alyssa. Wait, I don't know. We can't vote for I don't know, Nicole. That's not a name of a team. I guess I'm just going to vote for, oh, I don't know, um, oh, Joey and Kelsey. So Rachel and Alyssa, Leo and Jamal and Becca and Floyd all vote for Colin and Christy. Nicole and Victor vote for Leo and Jamal. Colin and Christy and Chris and Brett vote for Rachel and Alitha, and Tyler and Corey vote for Nicole and Victor, meaning that it's Colin and Christy and Rachel and Alitha doing both sides of the detail. I find it hilarious that after, you know, getting to the finish line twice, running eight legs on this season, Rachel is so close to crossing the finish line three times, and who's the reason for why she's eliminated for the first time ever from Amazing Race? Chris and Brett. <laughs> That's her kryptonite. Her kryptonite is 
the the football player turned trial lawyer and the gay sergeant from season 33 of Survivor who were under-edited, they're the ones. The gay sergeant best friend of Jerry Covino. Yes. They're the ones who are responsible for Rachel O'Reilly's elimination. What kind of CBS reality world do we live in where that's our reality? (laughs) And she is fuming at them. It's very funny. Is she still fuming at them on social media? I'm not sure. She's usually pretty good at getting over all the conflict after a season's over. She was very angry at them. I like how they were trying to make her and Alyssa were making old people jokes directed towards them. Like, Chris and Brett have been kicking ass for the past, as long as it's not dancing, they've been doing really well the past four or five legs in a row. They almost won. They were so close to winning this leg. You can't really say they're like old people. I mean, they're not Mel White. They were sixth last week, thanks to the directions. Right. Like, Mel White, if he had to do that William Tell crossbow challenge, the osteoporosis would have done him in. Did you notice we we got uh, some praise for you continually mentioning Mel White? Yes, I saw that. You did? Yeah. Who? On the uh, on the YouTube video, I can't even remember who it was. Someone uh, someone posted a comment a couple of days ago saying, uh, "Good on Logan for continually mentioning Mel White." Let me get the exact quote. <laughs> I thought you would have spotted this. You usually Google your own name. Yeah, I have so many Google <laughs> alerts. It was Sean Pierce who said, "Thank you, Logan, for bringing up Mel White once again. He needs to be mentioned every podcast, in my opinion." So <laughs> your wish is Logan's command. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, I almost uploaded this as a meme, actually, on my blog, but do you remember the Dwight K. Schrute quote from The Office about idiots? Yeah. Where it's like, and if I think, if an idiot would do that thing, then I do not do that thing. (laughs) And I thought one word's replaced where it says, if Mel White would die doing that thing, then I do not do that thing. (laughs) So once everyone leaves the Spielhalle... It's a detour, put unless you're Nicole and Victor, which is haymaking or cow festival. And in haymaking, teams must sigh the lane of grass and rake behind it. Once the grass has been stacked properly, they'll get their next clue. And in cow festival, teams have to dress a cow in a flower crown and lead it down a path to get their next clue. Now, which one would you guys have done? Mm, Scythe. Yeah, the harvest moon task. Any chance you get to not pick a task with animals, I think you don't pick a task with animals. Especially if the only way to get the animal to move is to yank on its tail. Oh my gosh, that wasn't good. But also first we have to discuss maybe my favourite speed bump ever. Folding flags? Fold 26 flags. It's a switchback. They're taking, they're helping, they're taking down the set. (laughs) This is what I mean. We have railed against speed bumps for years because they're pointless and useless and awful. Well, they're not pointless. They have to be there. They have to be there as a consequence. But I love how they're just so obscure and bizarre. This is the new sitting on an ice chair. This cannot have taken more than five or ten minutes. Well, that's all it needs to be. It just needs to be something quick. Yeah, but what's the point of having it at all? Give them some sort of fun penalty that will not take up stupid amounts of airtime. You know, this was a, this was a switch. This was another switchback. It wasn't just the William Tell task this week. You know, it's a great speed bump when it's a switchback 
to a task from the season premiere of Family Edition? I was wondering where I'd seen something similar before. See, yeah. Telstorian strikes again. Tony Aiello right. got to Tony Aiello got to fold the flag of the America or Pennsylvania. He folded something. No, no, he didn't get to fold it. He got to watch. He got to watch somebody fold it. That was the end of the challenge. And Colin and Christy decide to not help Rachel and Alitha, or not even talk to them because they are their competition. Exactly. Why would you? Why would? Why would Rachel and Alyssa even think they would help them? It's out of the Suki and Gender playbook. <laughs> After you try to screw over a team. Ask them for help, and hopefully they're nice enough people that they'll just give in. But you know what? We saw shades of season five, Colin and Christy, uh, this week, but in with their own flavor. Yeah, here's the thing. I think maybe they would have been more open to helping Rachel and Alitha if Rachel and Alitha hadn't just voted for them, and they hadn't just voted for Rachel and Alitha. If they'd both been dumped into that situation without really going for each other at all, then it would be a different story. But they both targeted each other, and therefore, yeah, it's kind of a game on mole situation. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think you're right, Michael. If Rachel and Alitha hadn't uh, U-turned Colin and Christy, I think Colin and Christy would have been helpful enough sort of work together to beat at least one other team. But the fact that it's like, oh, especially when Rachel was blowing up too after Chris and Brett voted her, she's like, that was a really dumb move, guys. We're weak. Look at Colin and Christy. They're strong. We need to murder them in their sleep. Like, if you're going to say that at the at the must-vote U-turn, like, no matter how zen Colin and Christy are, if you are gonna if you want them to be killed, they're not going to want to help you. <laughs> and seeing as though we discussed how democratic Switzerland is, I think it's only fair we play another round of Play Your Democracies Right. Sweet. Oh, boy. And it's not just play your democracies right, because in Michelle's honour, given her love of the all-female teams, this week is a play your democracies right, women's suffrage edition. Oh my lord. (laughs) So as with last week, I'm going to give you a country and tell you what year they gave everyone the vote. Not just women, most most of the time it is women's suffrage, this one. Some of them are, are everyone, but what year they gave everyone the vote. And I'm saying everyone deliberately because there are a few trick ones in here just to warn you now. You have to tell me whether the next one is earlier or later than the previous one. So it's not just women voting? It's like if, you know, people of Afghan heritage could vote? Yep. It's everyone. No exclusions. Universal suffrage. Yep. Universal suffrage edition, this one. And before we started recording, we did flip a coin, Logan won and chose to go second, so Michelle, you get to start. I'm going to give you the US, as is tradition. So the US gave everyone the vote in 1920. But did the UAE give everyone the vote before or after the US? After. You are correct. It was 2006. Logan Saunders, did Vietnam give the... Everyone the vote before or after 2006? Everyone. Yeah, I would assume before. You would assume correctly. It was 1946. Yeah, good old Ho Chi Minh. Michelle, did Australia give everyone the vote before or after 1946? 
Um, good, 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 good. Uh, this is very much in your wheelhouse, just to warn you now. And you're wrong, it's 1902. <laughs> no, that was before. God. Oh, what the US? Are you sure it was 1920? What? Even black people got to vote in 1920 in the US? Yeah, women got the vote in 1920. That was where this this began, Logan. <laughs> yeah, because I'm thinking, pretty sure civil rights movement was late 50s and early no. 60s. The answer's still correct with the UAE being afterwards, anyway. I know, I know. I'm just saying, 1920, I'm like, I'm pretty sure it wasn't 1920. This all started off as women's suffrage, and then it kind of migrated into everyone by the end of my list. Logan Saunders, Trinidad and Tobago, before or after 1902? Wasn't even a country yet. I'm going to say after. After is correct, 1925. Maybe Tobago got to vote, but maybe not Trinidad. Michelle, did the UK give women the vote before or after 1925? Before? You would be wrong. It was 1928. Really? Yep. Logan, North Korea, before or after 1928? Um... I'm going to North Korea, so they wouldn't have technically existed yet and be independent, so I'm going to say after, because the partition didn't happen until about 1953. 1946 would be the correct answer, so you are correct. Okay. Michelle, this is a phrase I've been waiting all week to say to you. Did Switzerland give everyone the vote before or after North Korea? Before. You'd be wrong! (laughs) (laughs) Because it was 1991. No way. That's when I was born. I shit you not, there was a canton of Switzerland that gave women the vote in 1991. No. That's... The same time as the cows. Yeah. Logan Saunders, Canada, before or after 1991? Um, if I remember my grade 10 socials class, it was before 1991. You would be correct, it was 1960. I love how these have fallen, by the way, because it was not deliberate that Michelle got Australian, you got Canada. Michelle, the Netherlands, before or after 1960? Before. Before is correct, yay! Logan, Japan, before or after 1919? Before or after 1919, after First World War? Oh no, we're talking about like imperialist Japan and stuff. I'll say also very conservative. After. After is correct. 1947. I'm bringing back a classic from last week. Michelle, Isle of Man, before or after 1947? Um, If it's going the way of England before. Before is correct. 1881. Logan, Uganda, before or after 1881? They weren't even independent yet, so I'm going to say after. Correct. It was 1962. Michelle, Lau, before or after? Oh. Mm. Oh. Mm. God, this could go either way. This one is close, I'll 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 tell you. After, Mm. you'd be wrong. It was 1958. (sighs) And Logan, for the final one, Iceland, before or after 1958? Before. Before is correct, it was 1915. So well done, everyone. I believe Iceland was the first uh, sovereign country to uh, to give women the right to vote. You'll also notice I did not deliberately include New Zealand, because that was the first country overall to give uh, women the right to vote. Damn it. They were a little bit In what year? Um, God knows, I can't even remember. I know it was the first one, though. Well, it's 
It was in 18 something. Yeah, it must have been because um, me and Bindles were discussing when I was picking the countries last night um, whether to include New Zealand or not because I thought it would be too easy for you guys. Right. Anyway, back to the episode. So at the haymaking detour, Becca is a natural haymaker, and she did landscaping for a couple of summers. And then Nicole and Vitz are surprisingly complete their speed bump really quickly. And Colin and Christie say that we have a little bit of history with bovines, and then there is a flashback to the this is bullshit moment. So Christie connects with her cow to pick the most cooperative one. Yep. And then Becca and Floyd leave haymaking in first, and teams us now drive to a farm in Oberschwanden to find their next clue. And it's Chris and Brett who leave in second, with Tyler and Corey in third, and Leo and Jamal in fourth. And then Rachel and Alitha complete Cow Festival in fifth, with Colin and Christy in sixth, but they both have to complete the other side of the detour. And Rachel and Alitha left their clue at the cow task, meaning that they need help from Colin and Christy to work out what they're doing on haymaking. And it's Nicole and Victor who leave Cow Festival in fifth. I mean, worst case scenario, you just copy what Colin and Christy are doing. That's actually a... That actually be the smart strategy to do right from the start of the season, because then you're then you're guaranteed to survive each leg. Yeah, given that Colin and Christie are still very much in with the shout of getting the best All Star average ever, and given that they are very much ahead in the average stakes for this season generally, it's certainly not a bad tactic to copy exactly what they're doing. They're like the exact opposite of Johnny Don't. Instead of don't do what Johnny Don't does. Just blatantly do what Colin and Christy do, because that works a lot. And at the farm, it's a roadblock, which is who wants to be a big shot. And in this roadblock, teams must recreate the William Tell story and shoot an apple off a mannequin's head. If they miss, the mannequin's arms and head will fall off, and they have to rebuild the mannequin before they can reshoot. And it is Tyler, Becca, Brett, Victor, Colin, Rachel, and Jamal doing this roadblock. Correct me if I'm wrong, this is the third task they have now copied from Amazing Race 3, specific to the location too. <laughs> I believe so, yes. And did you also notice how Becca greeted her instructor for the crossbow? Oh, I choose you, Pokemon. She did indeed shout, I choose you, Pokemon, at him. I don't remember Pokemon getting crossbow shot at. I don't remember yeah. that with in the anime with Ash Ketchum. I don't know. We've had a lot of information on Generation 8 this week. And it is based in the UK. It's certainly not out of the question for there to be Poke Crossbows in there. Uh, is, is that why it's called Pokemon Sword? Or like the Pokemon going to be beheaded when you capture them? Almost certainly. I mean, it's just a medieval retelling of the Pokemon story, really. We've, we've already had the feudal Japanese version with uh, Pokemon Conquest, and now Pokemon Sword and Pokemon Shield, TM, are, um, are all about the recreating medieval England. It's basically Pokemon meets Game of Thrones. Oh man, those are... <laughs> Yeah, those are going to be some interesting scenes to fast-forward through. You do not want to see the Loud Red Wedding. Or the, any of the scenes in Littlefinger's brothel. Let's 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 skip through those, please. Pika Pika? Uh, I really don't want to see what goes on in the nursery with those chances. <laughs> see, the thing is, I can fully imagine Ryan Reynolds as Detective Pikachu just mocking this up for YouTube. And we know from the Season 29 Panama leg that Becca is a much better archer than Floyd is. And Brett is a Boston police officer and he's a pretty good shot. And all three hit the mannequin square in the face. Do they get to eat the apple afterwards? I'm not sure you'd want to eat the apple given that it was probably out there all day and had literal metal sticking out of it. You just eat around the metal. Spoken like a true digital nomad, that Logan. 
<laughs> it's true though. You just eat around it. Can't give that up. Do you know? Do you know how low my food budget's been on this trip? Yeah, thanks to you missing the flight, I do. Yeah, one meal a day when I was in Egypt for over a week straight. I was doing Ramadan unintentionally. Were you getting up at three a.m. to um, to eat though? No, I was doing it at dinner time. I would wait till all like it's funny because all the families storm into all of the restaurants and fast food chains where you can't even get inside the door. But they scarfle the food down so fast that all of every place just empties out within half an hour after sundown because everyone's just so eager to eat and just chomps down on all the food and then gets out. <laughs> so the trick was, as soon as the families left, you had an entire restaurant to yourself. Yay! Yeah. It's like, screw you guys. And it's Colin and Craig. Uh, and it's Colin and Who? Christy. Colin Craig? Shut up, I'm tired. It's like five to midnight. <laughs> Rachel and Alyssa and Colin and Craig. Man, can't believe those two teams got U-turned. Could have sworn it was Rachel and Alyssa and Colin and Christy. Is Colin Gwynn teaming up with Craig from the Mole 5? Colin lies with his eyes. <laughs> I didn't know Colin... Colin actually channeled his Dexter mode from Season 5 too because he's very eager to shoot something. <laughs> in probably my favourite scene of the entire season so far. Colin and Christy get to the clue box, Colin opens it, and says to Christy, what are they doing shooting? She just goes, yeah, and he just goes, fuck yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking, like, Colin and Christy are borderline Buddhist monks. Can you imagine them going to Thailand, and they're, you know, practicing with all the monks, doing all the rituals, and then let's say a police officer just hands Colin a gun and says, here, this is the gun I have. Colin's like, fuck yeah. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. It was just so unexpected that he just turned around to Christy and went, fuck yeah. Did they bleep him out or something? Yeah, they bleeped him out, but I do indeed have a screenshot of the subtitle where it says blank yeah. Where it's blatantly obvious that he reacted to a shooting challenge with fuck yeah. Yeah, it was pretty obvious he said that. <laughs> if it wasn't very difficult to include it, I would have made it the banner this week because it made me laugh so hard. It's all about peace and love and meditation, being calm, and I get to shoot things. Fuck yeah! Boom, 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 boom. Hey, who were who the three teams that you turned me? Pow, 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 pow. I'm down to a final four. Yeah. Hey, Rachel and Melissa, fuck you. <laughs> Hey, Leo and Joel, fuck you. And hey, Becker and Floyd. Hey, Becker and Floyd, fuck you too. This is your one. <laughs> this is my three. <laughs> this is my three. I honestly think that this is funnier because Michelle keeps cutting out and cannot then actually stop us swearing all the time. This is my three. Can you imagine? I just, oh my God, I have to write a script for this. That is amazing. Him just saying, this is my three. Pow, pow, pow. Yes. I get the all-star race average now, guys. <laughs> and on the way to the roadblock, uh, Leo and Jamal don't have a map, so they get lost. No, I haven't finished. I'm winding the episode back slightly before we get to the fuck yeah moment. What I wanted to say, what, I don't even know if you've said this already, but... I love how Brett was so surprised and freaked out at being first out of there. 
We've not got to that bit yet. Really? I rewound it back to Leander Mal not having a, a map, and then the next one is Brett leaves the roadblock in first. Oh, gosh. So, Leo and Jamal get lost, because they don't have a map, and go, like, 40 minutes out of the way, and then Brett leaves the roadblock in first. And teams must now head by boat to the Grand Hotel Geeseback, the pit stop for this leg of the race. The last team to check in, as there are no more non-elimination legs, thanks, Phil, will be eliminated. Will be eliminated by Phil. Yep. And then Tyler leaves in second. And as we mentioned, Colin has a slightly over-the-top reaction to finding out it's a shooting task, and I'm not going to keep going into it because Michelle will kill me. Yeah. And Colin says that he has shot a lot of normal archery, but never a crossbow. Yeah, he's all, it's the first time where he isn't shooting at other humans. Usually he just puts the pictures of his enemies over the mannequins' faces. Yeah, he's like Steve Buscemi in, um, in Billy Madison. And Becca leaves in third, with Colin in fourth, and they can either run or get the funicular up to the pit stop, and there are water bottles available at the decision point. Are they sponsored by anybody? I'm not sure, but I'm assuming this is in response to Floyd being on the season and dehydrating the shit out of himself. <laughs> it would have been great to have Floyd faint on another 8-leg, eight 8-9 eight, or 9 or uh, 10 again. Did you notice what time Chris and Brett tried to get the funicular? No, I did not. It was about 9 o'clock in the morning, which means that this was a 2-hour leg. You know what? That didn't surprise me because Leo and Jamal... I thought it had to be a really quick leg because Lee and Jamal said, oh, we're so far behind, we got lost for 30 to 40 minutes. I'm thinking that's not a very long time to be lost. Would you have taken the funicular or would you have run? Um, I don't know. How much information do I have about where the pit stop is? I think all the information you had was that the funiculars were every hour. I know I wouldn't have been. Tyler and Corey in a leg race so I would have probably gone the funicular seen that and then I had to run up um but yeah I definitely I would judge it on what the other team is who the other team is that I'm trying to race against and what my position is too like if I'm at the bottom of the pack chances are I'm not going to wait an hour for a funicular I'm gonna give production a lot of credit in actually putting a bit of intrigue into a pit stop by giving them a choice of how to get there rather than just half arsing it and saying, you have to go on this marked path. Mm. Everyone go down this narrow one-way lane. Arguably, it was completely and utterly pointless, given that the funicular didn't run until, I think it was 10.40, but it's nice of them to actually give the option. Mm. And, yeah. Chris and Brett's terrible decision means that Tyler and Corey taken in first for the third leg on the trots. They win, and actually quite decent prize, a river cruise through Vietnam and Cambodia with full meals every night, and with excursions at every stop. I know, I like that. That's a good prize. However, it wasn't really a win, was it? Because if you think about it, the three legs that they've won, let's start with this one. They only really won this leg because Colin and Christy got U-turned. If Colin and Christy hadn't got U-turned, Colin and Christy would have probably had about an hour on everyone else. In a two-hour leg. In a two-hour leg, because they smoked all the tasks. Colin got out of there in about four shots, out of that roadblock. Given that they came into the roadblock in sixth place, and they left in third, that should tell you all you need to know. Last week, I'll give it them, they did get to the roadblock first, and therefore pretty much guaranteed themselves the leg win. The week before, however, in Uganda, they didn't really win it, because it was just a parlour game between them and Colin and Christy to 
decide who was going to win. It's not a real win. They've only really won one leg properly. And that was the super oh. linear leg that they won. Yeah. To say they're the biggest threats in the race is a bit wrong, given that two of their three leg wins were asterisks at best. I know, but you can't just start judging wins. Oh, no, I can. This is kind of the point oh, of the podcast, God. Michelle. I've done it for 289 episodes now. But you haven't really judged wins before like this. No, I have. <laughs> I'm very oh, judgmental of leg structure. <laughs> That was kind of my argument against the entirety of last week's episode, was the leg structure being awful. Yeah, I understand that. But I've never, I don't think I've ever heard you analysing people's wins as, as, you know, well, that was sort of a win, but not really. I certainly would not call Tyler and Corey the biggest threats of the race. Oh, no. Colin and Christy 100% are. Definitely. And the fact of the matter is, not even a U-turn can stop them. But we'll get to that in a minute. I like that teams get to drive their own boats to the pit stop as well. I forgot to mention that. Yeah, that's a bit scary. And Chris and Brett check in in second. Victor leaves the roadblock in fifth. And then we get basically a showdown between Leo and Jamal and Rachel and Alitha as to who gets the leg appearance record. And Colin and Christy check in in third. And I'm going to do a bit of a sidebar here because, trivia fans, when was the last time that any team checked in in top three after being U-turned? A long time ago. Can you name that team? Holy hell, let's see. Give me a second. Was it in season 24? It was indeed. Holy hell. Um, Good guess. (laughs) Jeez. Maybe you're actually starting to think why I might be bringing this up, Logan. (laughs) Was it... Hmm. Brendan and Rachel? No, no, wait, no. No, no. Let's back that up. They didn't actually have to. They weren't directly affected by the U-turn. Was it Dave and Connor? Oh, wrong way. Leon Jamal. Leon Jamal. Damn it! I knew it was one of the mm. two. It was Leon Jamal in Oviato, uh, who checks in in third. And Colin and Christie now become the third team ever in U.S. history to make top three after being U-turned. There's only one team who got second, and. I know Logan loves this leg so much. It was Bill and Kathy in Denmark. No way! Yep, Bill and Kathy are the only team ever in US history to get second place after being U-turned. Wow. So yeah, Colin and Christy setting more records. And this is going to lead on to something towards the end of the episode because there's a few records still available. There's still the leg appearance record because Leo and Jamal can overtake Rachel now. All they have to do is make it to leg 11. Colin and Christy and Tyler and Corey can both set the leg win record for a career because uh, Tyler and Corey are currently tied with eight wins. Colin and Christy have seven, but of course there's still four legs left to run. So Colin and Christy and Tyler and Corey can both set the leg win record. We also have a potential bit of a fun streak given that there are now five teams in a row who've gone home last in the rankings from the teams who are left which has never happened before. And also, Rachel and Alitha become the third team on the trot to go home with exactly the same amount of teams beaten, on average, which is two and a half per leg. True story. Idea. So anyway, let's finish this episode up. Rachel says, I don't see anything through that hole. And then Jamal leaves in sixth, with Rachel leaving in last. And she breaks the speakers when she leaves. She screams a lot. (laughs) And do you know what else we know about Rachel? 
I mean, she's had such an, an illustrious job history. Oh, here we go. <laughs> True yeah, fun facts. That was pretty much what I guessed your reaction whenever I shoehorn <laughs> Rachel's job list into this, Michelle. And spoilers. Come on, let's hear it. Spoilers just because she's gone home this week doesn't mean this is going to stop. What? <laughs> I'm going to shoehorn this in every week that I can. God. Because I love these lists too much. Especially when we don't know which Rachel you're talking about. Because there's been a lot of Rachels to run the Amazing Race after several years. So we, we need to exactly know which one you're talking about. Okay, I'll give you a few hints. This Rachel has been a career change consultant, a Tongan twister, a Belgian waffler, a French tickler, Italian plumber, Brazilian waxwork, Mexican standee, romance novelist, sandwich, Madagascan hissing cockroach, Egyptian walker, Moroccan roller, Kenyan canyoner, Nigerian prince, Malteser, Georgia peach, Fijian BG, Portuguese man of war, Greek Varengifts, Czech bouncer, Vegas, Jive turkey, Great Dane, Racing Finn, and I think you'll agree, an all-around sweetheart. Did you call her a Malteser? <laughs> Let me see which one I predicted to Pindles. I don't think it was that one. I thought you'd go for Fijian BG first. No, Malteser. Like, do you know that's a chocolate here in Australia? I don't know whether it's a chocolate wherever you are. Yeah, it's a chocolate. Yeah, there's a few great puns in there. This is probably my favourite list. I mean, romance novelist is a an absolute god tier one from Bindles. He's he's had that on since last week because he was disappointed he didn't use it last week. Um, I mean, you have to say that she is Vegas because she is. What was that last one? Swede. Sweetheart. Swede. Yeah. All around sweetheart. I think Bindles missed missed one. I'm pretty. Did you hear about Rachel's latest job? And she picked up a oh. job as a Camoran comatose controller. How did she? Yes. Mm. She went into Southeast Africa and became a Camoran comatose controller. You know it's bad when Logan starts suggesting uh, Rachel's job list. Oh or a delicious Mauritius. <laughs> delicious, malicious Mauritius. <laughs> and one other thing that I noticed about Colin and Christy when they checked in is that Colin was wearing the Jaguar tooth this week. He's probably been wearing it every week, but you just don't. No, Christy had it last week. Because ah. they shouted out that Christy was wearing the Jaguar tooth to give her centeredness or whatever it That's was. That's right. Yeah. And Becker and Floyd check in in fourth, and they regret voting for Colin and Christy, and Colin says that he forgives them for now, and this is their one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I really want to see Beck and Floyd test Colin and Christy again. Like, what happens? What happens next? What happens if another U-turn appears and Colin and Christy are in first? Will they use it? I don't know. Maybe they just don't, because, like, if you know you can kick everyone's ass each leg, mm. why would you? Yeah, but spite is a very fun thing. And spite from Colin Gwynn and Christy Woods is an even better thing. Yeah. <laughs> I think that we're probably going to see one in like 10. I don't know whether there's any more U-turns, but I can't see them ending it in like 8. Because the whole point of this week's U-turn vote is to then stir things up a little bit so that when another U-turn appears, people are more likely to use it. And it's not a very big deal if Colin and Christy use a final U-turn on somebody because in another 15 years, everyone will have forgotten that they used a U-turn. Exactly. Um, when's the latest U-turn been? Uh, final five is the latest U-turn we tend to see. Never been at final four? No, wait, 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 wait. What about um, uh, season 13? 
Oh, yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, that was penultimate leg. So that's the one Dan and Andrew randomly got. That was the, wasn't that the leg Tony and Dallas got eliminated? Because I thought it was the non-elimination they used it for, though. There's two really weird circumstances that led to Dan and Andrew. No, they just had to do the speed bump. Yeah, it was the speed bump, wasn't it? Yeah. I don't think there was a U-turn then. But there definitely was a Final Four. There was a Final Four U-turn, wasn't there? Yeah, there was a Final Four U-turn, but it was on the non-elimination leg. And same with Amazing Race Canada. They did a Final Four U-turn as well. That was the weird one. I don't think a lot of people don't know about this story, but in the first season of Amazing Race Canada... They had the final four U-turn on the non-elimination leg, but everyone knew it was going to be a non-elimination, so everyone just said, "We're not going. To, we're not going to bother with using it." So it just went dead. There's an amazing race, Canada. There used to be. It ended three years ago. Yeah, this must have been a while ago. So Leon Joel checking in sixth with Rachel and Alitha checking in last, and they are eliminated from the race for the first time in 32 legs for Rachel. And Alitha says that they win at life. I told Brendan on Twitter that now he has to run the race with Alitha to prove who is the better racer between him and Rachel. Because this will be the only way to break the tie. And I think it's only fair, given that she loves them so much, that Michelle should eulogise Rachel and Alitha. As a fellow mum, how do you feel about this? Uh, no. (laughs) I guess it's on me then. So, two seasons of Big Brother... Three seasons of Amazing Race, nearly three full seasons of Amazing Race. So we've had five total appearances from Rachel. Three, I mean, she's a, she's made it to three finales and made it close to a fourth finale and made it halfway through, what, through BB12? She was just over halfway through? Yep, she was first year. Right. So will we see Rachel rack up a sixth season? No. And no. Do you think her career stops here? This is the end of her CBS career? Minus cameos? I think it's a natural place for it to stop. Yeah. That's how I feel about it. But do you think that's what's going to happen? I'm not sure. Because we're now in this weird territory where, well, if you know anything about Survivor 40, we're going to see a lot of people that are going to hit that fourth and even fifth appearance as a contestant. And Rupert's at 5-2 now. True. And don't forget that uh, Elitha had a about two-thirds of a Big Brother season herself as well. And she, she was actually quite a character this season for Amazing Race, so there's a good chance Elitha could, could keep uh, playing on different shows. Did you see her on Race's Recap? No, I did not. It was basically a ten-minute commercial for the Drop Method Fitness app. Oh, I got a message, Justin. Justin seemed to enjoy it. He was amused. Yeah, she she basically told us nothing on air. Apparently, she was spilling everything off air, but she didn't tell any. She didn't say anything really on air. Hmm. You know, have how is re- races recap? Because like the time zones are terrible for me, so I've been able to watch it live. But have they been able to get much information from the contestants that they've gotten on, like with Brett? Honestly, I have not been able to watch much either. The, last week was the first week I was able to watch live since the preview because of my work schedule. Right. And because even in the week where I would have been able to stay up late because it was a bank holiday over here last week, I was having to be up early because I was on the radio in the morning. So I still couldn't actually watch live. And I think we were talking about before how their viewership's gone way down even from season 30. And actually, I guess 
with that out of the way, let's talk about the ratings for this season. In the words of Rupert, the ratings are not, not good. good. <laughs> like they're winning the time slot, but it's summer, there's no competition, and it's below 4 million viewers. That is not a good sign. That's the thing. Whenever you see anything like, oh, we're winning our time slot, you have to then think, but is there a punchline to this? And the answer is yes, yes, there is a punchline to this. They're winning their time slot in summer when nobody watches TV. And Big Brother, when Big Brother's on during summer, they pull in about 6 million viewers and Amazing Race, or Amazing, almost said Amazing Race Canada, Amazing Race is getting below 4 million. They got, they got like, what, 5 million or over 5 million for the premiere? And then they lost a million the following week, and I guess it's just kept going down. Yeah, I think it's the quality of this season. I know we've still got about three weeks left until we can actually properly eulogize this season and whether the winning team will improve or detract from my enjoyment of the season is yet to be seen. But I think this season has been much worse than it probably should have been. The cast was decent for this season, and I think due to a lot of the big characters going out early, due to the weird elimination schedule, due to the lackluster tasks and countries... They've not had a good season. I think the ratings probably would have been higher if, I mean, not to stroke Rupert's ego some more, but if Rupert had lasted longer, I think the ratings, uh, I think the ratings would have uh, kept growing. Just because Rupert hadn't been on, mm. Rupert hadn't been on a CBS show for over what five, about six years now since his little cameo in Blood versus Water. So it's we're pretty much closing in on ten years, and Rupert's still pretty much a legend. So yeah, Rupert he's loved. Around, yeah, so I think if Rupert had hung around beyond episode two, I think the reigns would would be slightly different at this point in terms of the goal of having this big crossover crowd from Survivor Big Brother. Yeah. So next time, Amazing Race returns to Croatia. There is a flight scramble pitting Nicole and Victor against Becca and Floyd, and Colin and Christy make waves on an inflatable boat. And I am going to that city in just over a week from now. You are. You're going to that city about a day after we actually record the podcast. I guess I'll know what places to check out. Yes, you will. Have you already got your inflatable uh, couch ready to be towed behind the boat in Splits Harbour? Yes, I'm going to try and find it. I will say this now. Croatia as a country, has one of the worst records for good legs of Amazing Race. There have been two appearances by Croatia, and both legs have been pretty bad. The Australia 3 one especially is awful. That was the super-duper linear one, right? That was the Cat and Jesse Memorial, here's two roadblocks, they're identical episode. Yeah, I remember... That was when they climbed a wall, wasn't it? Yeah, that was when one of them had to climb a wall, and one of them had to climb a wall in a different way. Was I, did yeah. I podcast about that episode? I feel like we trashed it pretty good. I don't think so. I don't think you really... No, no you didn't, I did it with Ben. You didn't get involved in Australia 3. I, right. I made a, a cameo in one of the episodes, but you didn't, I don't think. That was a long... That was like... I think Peach just posted. It was like five years ago since that aired. Yes. So, what are your predictions for next week? <sighs> who, who are you putting in check, Michelle? Sorry, wrong podcast. What? <laughs> I don't know. It could be... You know what? I'm always thinking Chris and Brett will go. Are Chris and Brett going to continue the streak of the lowest average team going home? 
the next time. Mm. Because they would make it six. You know what? I think there's a high probability that them or Nicole and Victor would go next. Okay. Let's just assume the trend will continue and that Chris and maybe there'll be a dance, Croatian dancing challenge and Chris and Brett will be screwed over. I do already know one challenge from next week and I'm not going to be happy bunny with it. Let's say Chris and Brett go home then. There is a rapping challenge. Woohoo! Which means that Becca and Floyd are probably going to do quite well. And I am not going to be a happy bunny of having to talk about people doing terrible raps. I've spent enough time in Croatia to know there is no rap community there. Or very little of it. Well, there's only one way to find out. So have you guys got anything else you want to say? Uh, no, that's about it. Okay. One final correction I actually have to make from last week. Um, I did say that the record for the earliest final non-elimination leg is nine. It actually is uh, final eight in Hammerot's four. I did get corrected. Oh, shit. I know. (laughs) Do your research. People putting me in check. But yeah, I got corrected. So thank you to the literally ones of people who actually mentioned that. This is your one, Michael. I know. This is my one. So, thank you for listening to this URT Number podcast. You can join us next week for another episode. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, on our Twitter account, RTV Warriors, or on Twitter pages, MJ Armstrong for me, Lucas of Quacky for Logan, and Bear3333333 for Michelle. See you next week. Bye. Peace out and just chill till the next episode. Yeah. <laughs>